Hi, I'm James Gardner, host of Your History, Your Story, a podcast for everybody who loves stories about interesting people and events told by those who uncovered them from within their own family trees. This, we hope, will inspire you to discover and celebrate your history and your story. It may come as a shock to many that for every 106 people in New York City, one is homeless. Thankfully, the Bowery Mission which has been in existence since the 1870s, continues to serve the hungry and homeless in New York, providing critical services to meet their needs and help transform their lives. In the year 2021, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Bowery Mission provided 255,000 meals, 54,000 nights of shelter, 30,000 emergency showers, and 20,000 articles of clothing to New Yorkers experiencing homelessness, hunger, and other crises. In this episode of Your History, Your Story, we'll be speaking with James Winans, President and CEO of the Bowery Mission. James will tell the powerful story of the Bowery Mission and the work it's been doing for over 150 years to remain a place where help and hope is delivered and trust is built. I'd now like to welcome James Winans to our show. Welcome, James. Well, James, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you because this is a very, very important topic, homelessness. I'm so glad that there are organizations such as the Bowery Mission that are really in the trenches doing so much work in that area. So I want to start off by saying that growing up, I used to hear about the Bowery, and it was, seemed to me that synonymous with people who were maybe unemployed and homeless, and it just wasn't a good situation. And I've, for many years, also heard of the Bowery Mission. So as I've done more and more research over the years, I've learned more and more about what's going on there. I went to your website, as a matter of fact, and I started to see some statistics about homelessness. Is it true that approximately one in 106 New Yorkers is homeless? That is true. And, you know, James, I, I say homelessness is this shared experience that we're all having in New York. So many people experience homelessness themselves. But of course, we live in such close proximity here in New York. Um, you know, if you're not currently experiencing homelessness, you're in close proximity with someone who is sharing a subway car or a sidewalk. And so it's it's just a, a very common part of our experience here in New York City. Yeah, I mean, I I go into New York City for different things once in a while, and I've never not encountered somebody who at least appeared to be homeless. So yeah, big problem. So what is the mission of the Bowery Mission? Well, the Bowery Mission really exists to promote the flourishing of New Yorkers who are overcoming homelessness or overcoming some form of marginalization um, where they're outcast in our city. And, and so we do that in a number of ways, promote that flourishing in a number of ways. You know, first and foremost, we are uh, trying to meet immediate needs, right? So somebody's hungry and coming for a meal, we want to provide them with a nutritious, delicious meal. Somebody who's needing a shower, we want to make sure they have a safe and clean place to do that needing a change of clothes, we can provide that. 
uh, opportunity to see a doctor, we can do that. And as we do all of these activities to meet immediate needs, uh, we are in the process of building a relationship with somebody. We're getting to know somebody's name, their hopes, their dreams, their story, um, and and hopefully building trust because experiencing homelessness is a is an experience where a lot of trust is broken all the time. People promise things, they don't deliver. People promise help and they're not able to help or they give up trying to help. Uh, and so, so the Bowery Mission for now 150 years is trying to be that consistent place where help and hope is delivered um, and trust is built. Um, and it's on that foundation of trust then that we're able to invite people into a longer life, more lasting life change. Yeah, that's wonderful. I know, I know it says on your, in your logo, it says uh, rebuilding lives since 1879 and uh, also rebuilding hope since the 1870s. That's incredible. Now, if I could sort of dig in a little bit about what's behind what we call the, or what you call the red doors. Mm -hmm. First of all, can you tell us what the red doors signify for the Bowery mission? Sure. Well, there's some, some legend around the red doors and the doors were not always red at the Bowery mission. Uh, in fact, they were not red for much of our, for most of our history, but the Bowery mission had a guest named Frank Grandy and Frank was a, rough and tumble guy who uh, was kind of hopelessly addicted to alcohol. And he lived on the Bowery and, um, you know, in some ways was the classic Bowery type, you know, as you, you described uh, learning about the Bowery as a young man or as a child and hearing about the Bowery. And, and so that the image of the Bowery maybe at that point was, uh, just a lot of people who were who were drinking a lot um, and living living outside on the Bowery, um, and so Frank was one of those guys. And Frank told me, you know, he used to just get in fights all the time and drink all the time. And when he when he needed a meal, he knew he could come to the Bowery Mission and grab a meal. Uh, but he never thought about what other kind of help might be available to him at the Bowery Mission. But one day he got into a fight that was very violent, and he was severely injured and um, came through the doors of the Bowery Mission and found help and uh, decided to stay and really saw his life come back together um, as he came to faith, as he, he entered into relationship with some folks. And so, you know, the legend is, and I think it's, I think it's a true story, that Frank decided that those doors needed to be read. And for him, it was uh, the symbol of, of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, that this was the place where true help was located. Um, and so this this was in the 1970s or 80s, and our, our front doors have been red ever since. And so when we tell people, you know, we're at 227 Bowery, you'll recognize it because of the red doors. It's that symbol. And so many stories begin, uh, so many stories of our graduates at the Bowery Mission begin when I came through those red doors. And, and inevitably, the person is describing something terrible that happened before they came through the red doors and something wonderful that happened after they come through the red doors. Oh, that's great. There's something so warm and inviting about the red doors. It's like hope it represents hope, doesn't it? Yes. Now, you, you mentioned about some of the people in your programs, some of your graduates. Could you tell us what that's about? 
Sure. So, so once we've you know met immediate needs, built that relationship of trust, our invitation uh, for many many people is: um, would you would you spend some time with us? Would you come into our residential program, where we can uh, enter into a longer term partnership? And and it's really a community of care, you know, where we hope that um, everyone everyone really feels a strong sense of belonging and community um, and togetherness as we work together to overcome homelessness. And so there are classes, there's counseling that takes place, uh, but there's a lot of community life. There's just a lot of life together, um, you know, learning how to overcome anger, learning how to overcome addiction, learning how to, to, to eventually, you know, write a resume and prepare to enter the workforce and, and then to go to work uh, on time and, and save, money and look for housing. And so a graduate of the Bowery Mission is somebody who has been introduced to Christ, who is connected to community, who is overcoming their addiction, who has sustainable income, who has stable housing, and who has a plan for their future. Um, and so all six of those things have to be true for us to consider you a graduate of the Bowery Mission. But when all six of those things are true, we celebrate and so we are preparing now for our annual celebration of all of our graduates and we'll celebrate just like a just like a college or a, or a school would celebrate somebody who's accomplished something really significant and then we want to stay in touch with these graduates afterwards um, and so we have uh, alumni gatherings just like a, a school would have alumni gatherings perhaps um, where our graduates can remain in touch with each other, remain in touch with us. And when they're succeeding, they can share those success stories with us and with our current clients and guests um, and encourage other people along the way. And when they're in trouble, they can seek help, um, that this is a safe place to to return to and say, you know what, I need I need some additional help. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, there's a lot of contributing factors to homelessness. You mentioned perhaps, you know, addiction, family issues, it could be mental health issues, it could be all sorts of things. So the first thing I imagine you got to do is to get to know who this person is. They're no longer just somebody out on the street. They're somebody, some person. And I can imagine that maybe even initially it can be a difficult transition for a person to even seek help. I heard, I believe one time I heard a, a homeless person say, that the life on the streets is one of exhaustion and fear because they just don't feel safe. And I took the liberty of watching a bunch of YouTubes <laughs> about the Bowery mission. And what I did hear from some of those people was I felt safe. I felt safe for the first time. I had a good meal. It's, it's like hope was just starting to bubble up a little bit there. So if a person walks in, they just walk in off the street, what happens first, James? Um, they'll, they'll typically, somebody walking in off the street will typically be encountering somebody at the Bowery Mission who, whom we call an ambassador. And it's, it's actually that person's role to get to know that person's name and their story and what brought them in that day. And often it's something simple. Simple to us, uh, simple for us to provide, but a big deal to the person walking through oh, the yeah. door, right? And so 
So that just begins a journey. That just begins a relationship. And typically that person is going to walk right back out the doors, right? With the, with, with a full belly or with a, with a new shirt or having gotten clean in a shower or something like that. But our hope is that the quality of the interaction that they had means that the next time that they're seeking help, they remember that the Bowery Mission is a place that delivered on a promise, a place that welcomed them and remember their name, and, and so then they'll come back. And it's all of these little acts of trust building that lead to big life changes. Yeah, and I think you mentioned uh, counseling. So if there's if there is an addiction issue or maybe some other sort of a problem, that they, they're able to get that counseling. Do they get that if they're in the program itself? Is that the way it works? Yes, yes. And you're absolutely right in describing that homelessness takes on many different forms and comes from many different causes. Um, I heard someone say, and I, I thought it was a very helpful way of putting it, you know, if you go into a hospital, they're not just treating illness, mm. right? They're treating something very specific and they take some time to understand and diagnose what's going on before proceeding with, with treatment. Well, homelessness is a little bit like illness, right? It's not specific enough to say somebody's homeless. There's so many different reasons why somebody might be homeless from, as we've talked about here, you know, challenge with addiction to uh, mental health to simple job loss or health crisis. You know, I was speaking with somebody this week who had a house fire, you know, after they've been homeless before in their life, but now 30 years later, they've experienced a house fire that's put them back in that place. So it takes time and it takes some attention to actually understand what's going on um, and how we can intervene. Yeah. And I'm thinking, again, you mentioned the physical is so important. Having a good meal in your belly is critical and, and hygiene and things like that. You know, I recall during Hurricane Sandy, we lost power for like six days in northern New Jersey. And I was complaining and, you know, the house was cold and, you know, I couldn't turn lights on and, oh, I was a big baby over it. And I think people drew my attention to the fact that you know, there's people out on the streets all the time. And how do you get your life together when you can't get a shower or a meal is something you have to like struggle to do, maybe get yourself up and do it, or you have an addiction or whatever. And to know that there's a place that you can go to just start to get some of that benefit, something to to get you steady so you can start to move in the right direction. Because, you know, it's cold out there in the streets and it's hot out there. I'm thinking of this heat wave and things like that. How do people even get their mind around improving their lives when they're hungry or tired or hot or cold or, or feel dirty or whatever. So thankful for the Bowery doing that work. What about, you mentioned, I think, vocational. I guess you build resumes and things like that. Can you tell us about that, James? Sure. Our clients can work with our staff on putting together a resume. Um, and we have had corporate partners that come through and will uh, meet with our clients and help them do the the basic preparation for, for interviewing. These are kind of soft skills, business skills, professional skills that um, sometimes if you've been in the, in the business world for a period of time, you, you take for granted that everybody knows these things, but not everybody knows these things, right? Oh. And so 
you know, there's a way of a way of carrying yourself into an interview or into the workplace that will lead to to a better outcome. We try to teach those skills as well. Definitely. And from the spiritual point of view, listening to some of the YouTubes of graduates of your program there, what I heard people say was I I reconnected with God. Mm-hmm. I reconnected with God. So from a spiritual standpoint, what, what kind of things do you do with the, your folks there at the mission? Well, again, life together in community um, with folks, we're, we're all on a different place in our journey of faith. But the Bowery Mission uh, has a chapel. That chapel has been open and operating since 1909 for chapel services three times a day. And we're studying the Bible together and we're praying together. And you know, in all of these, we're, we're building those, those simple daily rhythms and disciplines of faith that, that over time lead to transformation. Yes, definitely. James, I want to ask you about your story. When did you come to the mission? How did you come to the mission? I came to the mission in 1999. I was a college student volunteer for the summer. You know, I was, I was attending college in New Jersey and I, had recently uh, come to faith in my senior year of high school. So I kind of went to college looking for the other Christ followers, the other Christians to, to figure out what this meant to um, follow Jesus. And so I got very involved with a, with a campus group that was, uh, that was focused on the Christian faith. But I also came to college having grown up in a primarily African-American community and now I was attending this primarily white college and I was experiencing a lot of culture shock and could not understand how my fellow white students did not see the, the racial privilege that they were carrying with them in the world. And so I got involved with this other campus group that was these activists, probably mostly atheist college students who um, you know, really wanted to work on matters of, of racial justice. And so in my one group, the, the group of Christian friends, they would say, I, I don't understand, James, why you care about this stuff so much. You know, it's not really central to the faith or the gospel. You know, we, we really need to be about evangelism and faith sharing. And I was, you know, I was saying, well, no, I, I really believe that, you know, Jesus cares about these matters of justice. And then with this other group of, you know, activists, atheists, um, they would say, James, we don't understand why you care so much about religion. You know, the religion upholds the status quo. It doesn't bring social change. And I was, I was saying, well, no, actually, you know, Jesus is really concerned about the same, the same thing that you're concerned about. And so, so I found out through this Christian group that there was a summer program uh, in New York City where I, I, I saw these two conversations were going to come together. And so I signed up, but I was, um, I had been spending my college summers working with children running day camps and there was a there was a part of this summer program in New York City where I could have been assigned to work with children running a summer day camp. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm so much experience and so much to offer. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna get that internship. And I arrived in the city and they said, you're gonna be working at the Bowery Mission. Uh, <laughs> God had another plan for you, James. God had another plan. And and so you know, so I entered into this this community of men who were um, recovering from homelessness, and and I was so taken by 
the or I was so welcomed um, by particularly the the men in this case on staff who had been homeless or incarcerated themselves had come to the Bowery Mission and had been radically transformed. And what they did with that was they, you know, they got trained and turned around and became counselors at the Bowery Mission so that they could help other men out of the situation that they had been in. Empathy, right? They have the empathy. Yeah. Empathy and integrity and faith, a deep, deep faith that um, uh, just had a huge impact on me as a young man. So that that's how you came there. But you've worked your way up in the organization. You're now the president and CEO of the Bowery Mission. So <laughs> what brought you from that internship to, hey, this is what I'm going to do with my life? Yeah, well, that, that internship certainly changed my my life trajectory. And I uh, after that summer, I worked with another organization for about five, five, five or six years. And then in, in 2005, I got a call from the Bowery Mission. And they said, we know you're not looking for a job in fundraising. And I said, no, that's also a terrible idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that is not what I'd like to do with my days. But after a second interview, um, uh, Emily Solway, who was the director of development at the Bowery Mission, had convinced me that this was this was uh, something I ought to try out. And so, so I, I came up through our fundraising team um at the bowery mission and that actually is another part of my story because i didn't grow up around wealth and um and so uh, i would i would find myself very indignant and sometimes angry after interacting with some of our major supporters thinking oh they're just assuaging their guilt you know by giving to the bowery mission but over time i began to realize that you know, the supporters of the Bowery Mission, sometimes the very wealthy supporters of the Bowery Mission, you know, are are no less lonely, no less lost, no less disconnected and in need of community than some of the folks who come in for a meal or a shower or, or a shirt. And I got to see some of those those lives change as well and realized, you know, we we all need um we all need this transformation um in our lives. So, uh, you know, responsibilities grew over 15 years and then came the pandemic. You know, in March of 2020, I had recently been asked to serve in the interim, in interim capacity as the CEO of the Bowery Mission during a leadership transition. And then the city shut down mm-hmm. and the Bowery Mission did not shut down because we knew that there were thousands of New Yorkers who were being told to stay at home, right? Our mantra back then was stay at home and stop the spread of the coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were all dutifully listening to, to the instructions to stay at home. And so the streets of New York were empty, but for the thousands of New Yorkers who had no home to go to. Mm-hmm. And we saw in a new way how desperately disconnected our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness were and how they had nowhere to go. And we just, we just resolved that we were going to remain open and we were going to remain home for New Yorkers who had no home. And so that season was really galvanizing for many of us on the Bowery mission team. And for me, it, it um, helped me realize that, that leading this organization as the CEO is something that I've, 
would want to do and would be privileged to do. And and so I put my name in the hat and uh, several months later found myself in the position. Wow. Well, that's a blessing that you're in that role now, I tell you, James, because what a what a time you had of it for uh, with COVID. You're right when you said about stay at home. So our our direction, those of us who have a home, was to stay at home. You know, don't go into the office. Wash your hands constantly. You know, you need plenty of hygiene. Mm -hmm. Socially distance. You know, you stay in one room, I'll stay in the other. We'll line up in you know, uh, widely spaced cues if we go out to the store and stuff like that. Then there's the people who are homeless. Uh, they may be going to a shelter. It must be a big challenge to socially distance in a shelter. You got to wash your hands 20 times a day? Where? I understand they were closing down. One of the critical things you had going on, there were places closing down where homeless people went to maybe wash up or get cool or, or warm or whatever. So what was that like, though, going through that transition to know that you can't just say, oh, you know, stay, we're closing down, no food for anybody, you know? <laughs> what it, how did you deal with that in that emergency situation? Because it rolled out pretty quickly on you. It really did. And we, we worked very quickly. And again, it's just a privilege to lead this team. They're so creative. They're so resilient. But we changed how we do much of what we do we're doing at the time. And one of the, the most obvious uh, things that we, we did was rather than, you know, inviting people into a dining hall to sit at round tables and face one another and have conversations across, across the table and go through a cafeteria line, we moved our meals right out onto the sidewalk, right in front of those red doors. And, you know, within days, we were serving twice as many meals as we were accustomed to serving. And so we, we continue to serve folks who were experiencing homelessness and had nowhere to go and they were being told to stay at home. But a lot of the folks on the line at that point had just lost their cash employment, mm. right? They were working in a restaurant, they were working in a hotel, they were working on a construction site and everything shut down on them so fast. And they were re relying on that, you know, that daily cash payment or that weekly paycheck um, to make ends meet. And so uh, they didn't know where to go. And we were one of the few places that was open. We were serving a line of people that, that stretched down the block and around the corner uh, with our with our takeaway meals. But then with those folks who, who were homeless on the street at the time, we realized, wow, their hygiene has degraded so quickly because all of the public restrooms, you know, be it the library or the Starbucks or the rec center, um, where they were used to washing up are now closed. Mm. And so they have nowhere to wash up. They have nowhere to use the bathroom. So we, we rented some, you know, some portable toilets, got those set up on our sidewalk. We had those on our sidewalk for probably two years, um, just creating a, a safe place that was going to be regularly clean to use the bathroom in New York City. And, uh, and we partnered with a, with another organization called Showers of Blessing. And, um, they had a, a modified van that had two private shower units inside. Uh, we were able to supply the water out of our building and, and supply the clothing from donations that we were receiving. So we had many, many guests who would use that van as their, their place to, to get, get, get a shower, get a clean set of clothing. 
and uh, and and be able to to continue forward in some dignity. Well, you know, one of the things I thought of was uh, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say I thought of it when I was doing some research on the Bowery Mission. I understand that you had the challenge of what about volunteers who were afraid to come in, uh, you know, because they were supposed to stay home. You know, what, how did you deal with the volunteer situation? Well, the first indication that we had, I think, that something big was about to happen was we have many corporate volunteer groups who come in from companies around New York City. You know, these are coworkers who are volunteering together on on a special volunteer day or maybe after work together. And say probably in February of 2020, we started getting all these cancellations, right? So the, these big companies knew that trouble was on the horizon and that their employees shouldn't be, uh, you know, moving around the city so much. And so they were already starting to instruct their employees not to not to do these volunteer activities. And so we we found that we had a period of time where we had very few volunteers. Now, there are many heroes who, uh, you know, maybe all of a sudden they lost their job or they were working from home. And what they chose to do with that was to come and serve with the Bowery Mission um, and came day in and day out, you know, at a time where we, we were really risking our health to be to be out and about in the city in that way. And um, just some real some real heroes who served. But one thing I saw happen in that period of time was that our residents, you know, the folks who were living in residence with the Bowery Mission really leaned in and said, how can we help? Like we see the volunteers aren't coming anymore. How can we take responsibility? How can we take ownership? How can we um, be a part of the solution here? When New York City shut down, the Bowery Mission had 325 people staying overnight, every night in our various residences around the city. And we decided we we were not going to reduce the number of people living here because they had no viable alternative of where to go. And so we, you know, we spread the beds out to the extent we could. We changed how we cleaned the building. We changed how we moved through the building, you know, all of those things. But um, but we were going to keep people's homes open. And it was some of those folks who were just so so grateful and so so eager to help who helped us get through those days when we didn't have all these volunteers serving with us. Yeah, that is amazing. What a blessing those people are and and were to the city during that time. I'm trying to think now of, I'm a substitute teacher, and I I see these little kids now who came through the last two years with the masks and sometimes the uh, at-home virtual school and all that. I think about your graduates who their time in the program was during the COVID pandemic and what a real test, huh? Mm -hmm. Just amazing. We had, um, we had some extraordinary stories happening, you know, during, during this time. And we had a, a, a woman graduate from our program last year who, um, you know, she was, she was working stable job living, what she thought was a stable life. And, uh, you know, March of 2020, she was told by her employer to work from home. And so now she's at home all the time with her partner. And it was, it was because of that, that she realized what a dangerously abusive situation she was in. Mm. 
couldn't see it when she was out of the house 10 hours a day to go to work. But when she was home all the time, she realized I'm in danger here because my partner is so abusive. And so it was that revelation that brought her to the, to the Bowery mission. And she, she just blossomed and experienced extraordinary freedom living in community with, you know, with other women and um, learning about herself, learning about Jesus and, and she's now working um, as a, you know, some form of a counselor to women experiencing uh, domestic violence. What a great so, story. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing how many really good stories can come out, how God can transform bad things into really good things. You were certainly really tested from being in, a, in an interim sort of a role into the full-time role that you're in now, the permanent role, I should say. You know, I think about the Bowery mission. So you talk about COVID. This was a just a massive thing to encounter. You can't stop feeding people and, and taking care of people. And you can't stop the progress of people in recovery and, and they're turning their lives around. You got to keep at it and having dedication of those people who would coming in at their own personal risk just to make a difference in this world. And I think that's wonderful. The Bowery mission is has had a history of, you know, it, it was there for the Great Depression and all the joblessness and homelessness. It was there during the Spanish influenza of 1918, another awful health emergency. And even back to the financial crisis of the 1890s, it was there and, and beyond. Can you give us a little, just a real quick history lesson of how the Bowery Mission came into being in New York? Sure. You know, for me, James, that being aware of this history is part of what keeps me in the fight. Uh, that we talk about the value that we have at the Bowery Mission of responding to God's calling with commitment. Um, sometimes commitment is long suffering and commitment is uh, just persevering, right? And to me, it's so encouraging that we, we literally do have this cloud of witnesses, this this uh, these many generations that have gone before us at the Bowery Mission. And so yeah, the Bowery Mission is actually a story of, of several different missionary activities that have come together over time. And so the Bowery Mission itself was founded in the 1870s by a couple, Albert and Ellen Rolofson, who had a heart for what, what was becoming New York City's Skid Row at the time uh, in, in the kind of post-Civil War era in New York City in the, in the 1870s, but they were actually inspired by another couple, Jerry and Maria McCauley, who had started a work on Water Street called The Helping Hand for Men. And Jerry and Maria McCauley had both experienced lives of crime that had been transformed into lives of faith and wanted to help people who, you know, had been in, in the this, this situation that they had been in. And as you know, James, you know, Jerry McCauley was inspired by one of your ancestors, Orville Gardner, who, when Jerry was in prison, came and spoke about the possibility of transformation through faith. And both of these guys had horrible reputations of being dangerous guys out of, you know, in the streets of Manhattan. And Jerry said, well, if he can change, I can change. And so, you know, it's just, just the way these stories go back and go back and go back is just so encouraging and so um, so amazing. Yeah, 
I'm very proud of my ancestor, even though he was known as like one of the worst characters in New York City back in the 1850s. Uh, he had a his life was transformed really through Christ. And, uh, you know, when he gave that testimony, it was at Sing Sing prison and Jerry McCauley was, a, was, as you mentioned, they were, they were buddies together. They committed crimes together. And, uh, I only found this story out not that long ago, maybe about 10 years ago. And of course that I became very interested in, in the mission, uh, you know, the missions in New York city and, uh, you were kind enough to invite me to come in to see the Jerry and Maria McCauley Center, which is fairly new, right, at uh, the Bowery Mission. Could you tell us a, a little bit about that? Yeah, so so what uh, Jerry and Maria McCauley founded became known as the New York City Rescue Mission and, and moved into a building at 90 Lafayette Street in the 1950s and was significantly expanded in the 2000s. Um, went from a three-story building to a six-story building and expanded our ability to offer shelter and to, to men and to women significantly. And I described, you know, that, that Jerry and Maria McCauley were in conversation with Albert and Ellen Rolofson, who started the Bowery Mission. And the Bowery Mission, you know, began on the Bowery, moved. It's now in its fifth location on the Bowery, but in the same location it, it moved to in 1909. So moved five times before 1909. But then the Bowery Mission grew and, and has locations in East Harlem and, and Harlem and the South Bronx and Upper East Side. And finally, in 2017, these two organizations that in some ways were founded together um, and have worked apart for all these you know 140 years at that point reunited and, and came together as one to, to join forces to have a greater impact in, in New York City for those experiencing homelessness. And so you're right, we recently rededicated the building at 90 Lafayette Street as the Jerry and Maria McCauley Center, you know, have their portrait in the lobby with Jerry's quote, God restored me, and then put together, you know, kind of a museum quality display of the story that gets from uh, all the way from Sing Sing Prison in the 1850s all the way to the present day of all of these lives, of this kind of chain of stories of lives that have been transformed over that time through the influence of, you know, a couple of people who experienced a big change in their life and said yes to being on mission. That's that's terrific. How many locations do you have total for for all of the what's now the Bowery Mission? Yeah, all, all told, we um, have folks going to work these days at seven different locations. Fantastic. And also, I wanted to ask you about Mont Lawn Family Camp. Can you tell us about that? Yes, yes. So so one of those locations is, is Mont Lawn Camp. And again, going back to history, in uh, 1894, uh, the Bowery Mission was, in essence, acquired by uh, an organization called the Christian Herald. And the Christian Herald was publishing a very popular newspaper at the time and also had this, uh, this extraordinary um, uh, missions orientation, charitable orientation. And so the, the Christian Herald uh, became aware that there were, it was a very harsh winter. There were a lot of families living in tenements on the Lower East Side who didn't have enough food. They raised through their su subscribers the, the funds to provide food, groceries, essentially, to 
all of these families in the tenement buildings. And once they had served all these families, they still had funds left over because their, their subscribers had been so generous. And so a friend of the publication, uh, a, a Reverend Jewett, said, um, well, why don't you send the kids up to my place up in up near Nyack, New York? And we'll just we'll just get out the lawn games and we'll have a grand time. And uh, and so that's what they did. And these kids traveled up on a on a steamship up the Hudson River to a place near Nyack, New York. And because there was a, a sloping lawn uh, down to the water, the location was called the Mont Lawn, wow. their old Victorian name. But that was 1894. And every summer since, um, this organization has provided children in New York City with the opportunity to participate in what we now call summer camp. And the camp is now located in the Poconos region of Pennsylvania. But every week for the last five weeks, Kids have gotten on buses in the, in the South Bronx from all over the city and traveled out to Montlawn Camp to experience uh, just a, a summertime escape. Our property out there is on a lake. We have, uh, we have a pool. We have a chapel. Um, we have a cafeteria that's called Fort Plenty because the idea is, you know, it's all you can eat. We have a nature center. Um, we, have, we have an archery range. We have a gymnasium basketball courts and so um, just kind of a just a wonderful place for kids to get out of the city in the summer and these kids are these kids are not necessarily experiencing homelessness themselves right but their their families are, are certainly struggling and we want these kids to grow up and not experience homelessness we want these kids to grow up and come to the Bowery Mission one day as volunteers or supporters not come to the Bowery Mission one day as um, folks you know, hungry for a meal or in need of a shower. And maybe, maybe one of those kids one day might become CEO and president <laughs> of the Bowery Mission. You never know. You never know. You so, never know. No. So I'm sure it's very restorative to those kids, you know, to, to be out there in the fresh air and enjoying that. What I'm amazed at is that you've held that property for so long. We have, and we've been able to invest in it through the generosity of our supporters. And um, I'll tell you the story, James, at the beginning of the summer, we had invested significantly in one of the buildings. It's a small building on camp, uh, but it's called the Staff Lounge. And it was it was in really bad shape. I mean, I, I, I described it as a mossy shack. Mm. You know, it's kind of covered in moss. There was, a, there was a Coke machine out in front of it that didn't work. And it was kind of the first thing you saw when you came on camp. So I thought this is a terrible first impression. <laughs> and and it's called the staff lounge. So what are we saying to our staff about how we value them? <laughs> so we got it we got it fixed up, and our chief operations officer came up with a beautiful design, wraparound porch, rocking chairs. Um, we went out there in June, and we we cut a ribbon on it with the staff who were going to serve for the summer. And uh, you know, as so we cut a ribbon, everybody kind of walks in, and I noticed one of the summer camp counselors was really moved by what he saw. So I caught up with him later in the day and I said, Hey, I noticed, I noticed you're really moved by that. Can you tell me about your tears? And he said, um, he said, James, I've been coming to this camp since I was six years old. Mm. And I was a pretty rough kid from the Bronx when I started coming to this camp and I was kind of mad at the world and I would get mad at my counselors here and when I got mad at my counselors, I would come over to this building and I would hunker down next to that Coke machine and I would just fume at the world. Mm. And he said, today when I walked 
into that same building where I used to fume at the world, I realized, and I saw how much the building had been transformed, I realized how much I had been transformed. He said, I'm, I met Jesus at this camp, and I've never been the same. And now I'm down in Florida, I'm going to college, I'm doing music, and I'm, I'm serving here this summer. But I realized how much I've been transformed, because I saw how much the space has been transformed. That just, to me, just, you know, kind of encapsulates something that we've we really want at the Bowery Mission. We want to be this place that, you know, everything, the, the, the relationships, the spaces, the, the, um, the level of care just communicates respect and dignity and hope and transformation so that people can believe in that in themselves. Uh, you know, it's so refreshing. And, you know, today there's, there's a lot of unhappy people out there. There's a lot of mental health issues. There's people stressed out. You know, between the pandemic and worries about recession and things like that and the news and social media, all that stuff. And to know that, you know, the Bowery Mission just keeps on chugging and transforming lives all through it and showing the love of, of Christ. And that is just so refreshing to know that. What would you say are your biggest challenges, most immediate challenges today at the Bowery Mission? I'd say in some ways our biggest challenge right now is is finding folks who are who are ready, willing, and able to kind of be on mission with us, right? Um, and so, you know, so we're 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 seeking out people of faith who who want to be on mission, um, uh, be that on on our staff, uh, be you know, be employed um, at the Bowery Mission, serving in this way every day. It takes an extraordinary amount of humility to do that. The work we do is not always, you know, up and to the right. It's not always um, linear. It's a lot of three steps forward and two steps back. And so it requires a, a lot of humility. But it's exciting to to find folks who, who really have that sense of calling, either as an employee or as a volunteer. And so that's a big challenge. We we are unique in the city of New York for those for organizations that are serving our neighbors experiencing homelessness. Most of most of the organizations that do this work in New York are primarily funded by the government. We have chosen to be to do as much work as we can while being funded privately by the donations of generous individuals, uh, churches, families that uh, that give freely to us. We just find that 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 allows us to um, carry forward our mission with with integrity. Um, in a way that is remains faith-based, and so, so you know, finding those funds every year is, of course, one of our biggest challenges as well. Um, inviting people to to participate in that way. Partner, how can people find out more about how they can either serve, join your team there, and to financially contribute? How can people find out more about doing that? I think the easiest way to find out about the Bowery Mission is to go to our website. It's um, bowery.org. So that's B-O-W-E-R-Y.org. And then we are on each social media platform at Bowery Mission. Um, so Facebook and Instagram and all of those platforms um, are, are another way to find out more about us. Yeah, James, I want to close by just reflecting 
on some of the things that you've been talking about, particularly in the beginning, where you're saying you got to get to know the person who comes in the door, that they have a name, that they're a person. When I was doing some research, I uh, came across a, an interview done with you, and you talked about, I think, a reporter. Somebody came in when COVID just started to break out, and a reporter asked one of one of the people, one of the one of the, I believe it was a man. I'm not sure if it was a man or woman, but somebody who was uh, in your program there, and and they asked them about what they thought about COVID. Could you tell us about that story? Yeah, that was uh, nothing had shut down in New York yet, but but we knew there was a coronavirus, and the reporter sat down with one of our guests and said, well, you know, what do you think about the coronavirus? How, how is it going to change your life? Um, you know, as somebody experiencing homelessness, how's it going to change your life? And our guest, you know, took a bite of his meal, thought about it for a minute, looked up at the reporter and he said, it's not going to change my life. People already treat me like I have a virus just because I'm homeless. Mm. And it was this heartbreaking moment of recognizing how we regard um, people who experience homelessness as, as invisible or less than. And so that was a heartbreaking story, James. There is a bookend story to that for me, um, because last year when we celebrated our graduation of the men in our program, we had somebody graduating, you know, looking very put together, um, looking very joyful. But he took a moment to reflect on what it had been like to be homeless uh, and to seek help at the Bowery Mission. And what he said was the Bowery Mission was the place where they knew my name and they welcomed me back every single day. Mm. And that's who we want to be, right? I mean, everybody in this world deserves a place where they know your name uh, and you know you're welcome. What the Bowery mission does is give people a name, gives them a hot meal, gives them the opportunity to rebuild their lives, and most of all, give them hope. I just want to thank you for your time today. You've been a wonderful guest. I really urge anybody listening to this podcast right now to please go to the Bowery Mission website. Could you repeat the website again, James? It's Bowery.org, B-O-W-E-R-Y.org. And look, look into ways that you can help because they're doing some terrific work. So, James, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for your time, and God bless you and all the people on your staff. And also, kudos to Brian, who works for you. He is a great guy. He is a great guy. And thank you, James. Thank you for this opportunity to talk. Okay. Have a nice day, James. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Your History, Your Story. You can connect with us on Facebook and YouTube at Your History, Your Story, or on Instagram and Twitter at YHYS Podcast. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or a story to tell. Be well and God bless.